This morning, it's my pleasure to introduce you to you and for us to welcome the Reverend Mary Lee, who, uh, come on up, Mary. Um, the Reverend Mary Lee is the Associate Minister at Chinese Presbyterian Church, uh, which is just down the road from us in Baldwin Village, and our church has had a relationship with their church um, for quite a long time, maybe since the beginning. I think we might hear a little bit about that today. And so it's really our pleasure to welcome Mary to be with us this morning. Uh, she's been an elder in her church for a long time before she before I was born, <laughs> um, before she heard the call to ministry, and she's been serving there for just a couple of few years now as the associate minister. The amazing thing is, he graduated before me. <laughs> You'll need to turn your microphone on. Sorry. <laughs> Is it turned on? They can hear me. Okay. The amazing thing is when God calls you, it didn't matter your hair turned white. You just say, God, here I am. Use me as I am. And same with everyone. <laughs> um, so let's pray for Mary. And then I've just been reminded that we do have a scripture reading as well. Um, so we'll pray for you. And then we'll invite Karen up to read the scripture. And then we're excited to hear what God has to say to us through you. Lovely. Okay, let's pray for Mary. God, we are so grateful for Mary, for the long story you've been telling through her life of service to the church, service as a lay person in the church, and now service as a minister of your gospel. And we're so grateful that she's been a part of Chinese Presbyterian Church for such a long time, and that we've had a relationship with that church for such a long time, and that she could be here with us this morning. We pray that as we listen to your word read by Karen, and as we listen to your word explained to us and to our context and our lives by Mary, that we would hear your voice speaking fresh to us in new ways this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his kingdom's sake. Amen. Okay, Karen will come up. You can sit here or down here, Mary. Good morning. This morning's scripture is taken from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 6, and from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1, 16 to 21. Exodus. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Galatians chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thank you for this lovely reading of the Word of God. Hello, greetings to you, worshiping here in church today, and also to those that are online. God be with you. Now, this our ultimately redeeming God is what has given hope to these people in Exodus. And however long it might take, he has also given the same hope to the Jews and Gentiles, Christians, in the first century. And throughout the long decades of history, given hope to all of us that came from East and West, gathering this morning to worship the Lord God at Knox Presbyterian Church. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, bless us this morning to let the word from Scripture shed light on your goodness that pass before our face. Come, the spirit of truth comes and guide us into all truth. Yes, Lord God, to do your will and your way, we will trust and obey. Lord, we all got personal challenges that you know and we bring before you. Help us to say no to sin and firm up our commitment to you. We also pray for those outside of this church that they need you too. We pray and ask for your mercy. Do for us we cannot do for ourselves. Give your servant this morning clarity of mind, conviction of speech, and conviction of heart. Help me to say boldly what needs to be declared and help your people today to win the victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The words, verses that were just read to you, and God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Isn't this Lord God amazing? The, this incredible decalogue given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai and originally fingered in, by God on two tablets of stone, showing these Old Testament people they are his special object of divine choice and affection and comforting them that God has called them by name and they 
belonged to him. Now, even though they hardly remember him, they have been Egypt for too long. Some uh, said in the Bible is at least for over 400 years. So let alone, they probably forgot to, that their God, that they, their ancestor had believed in. But God proceeds with his plan to rescue his people from slavery. So if you have a chance, if you read in Exodus chapter 6, verses 8 to 9, when Moses went and told these things to the Israelites, God has said, I will bring you to the land I sworn with uplifted hands to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. But guess what? They turned a deaf ear to him because they were in such low spirits, exhausted from their harsh labor as slaves. They have lost hope, not believing anyone, let alone God can come to their rescue. But our dear Lord God, regardless of our response, God did not dismiss the promise he had made with us and make with these people that God had chosen. He instructed Moses to go and speak with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him, free my people from your land. Look at this picture that I have chosen. Now, this obscure tribe of Israelites, they were slaves, and if it wasn't for the mighty acts of God's judgment, they would not have managed to regain the freedom. Now, this drawing may have just depicted only partly their hardship in Israel. Look at it. Under the hot sun, the, the slaves suffered at the hands of their master. They were not treated as human beings with dignity. They were doing their hard labor. Look at that. While their masters were in the shade, right? whipping the, the whips and torturing them, work harder and harder day after day with no relief in sight. Now, being owned as a slave is beyond our comprehension, isn't it? But the reality, slavery is still happening today. So imagine for a moment having your dignity and freedom taken away from you you have to spend every living moment not living for yourself, but obeying harsh orders to work and work with little rest, minimal supply of food and water. And guess what? After a while, you forgot what is it like to experience happiness, to have hope for the future. But the Lord God saw their suffering and heard their cry. So now go, he told Moses. You will go to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. Let them leave. See how God valued those that belong to him? He declares to the Egyptians, you may have treated them as lowly slaves, but they are precious and loved by me. So from here on, 
I will be with them every step of the way, honoring them as my people who are called by my name. They will have a new identity as a group of holy people with unique responsibility to represent the Lord God to the world. Now, by calling them my people, God has entrusted his name to them. Think about it. God has entrusted his holy name to them. So from here on, God and his people are closely associated. So in other words, how we are to live reflect our God. And will you see that God is blessing them, taking them, leading them to a land that he has promised and seeing that you belong to God. So they will live among tribes and nations that do not know God, but prayfully through their convictions and for their living in holiness, others will come to know God as their God. So since God entrusts his name to his people, they are to represent God faithfully. That's what they should do, right? Same with us. <laughs> there must not be any wickedness in our characters and conducts. And they must quit what, most importantly, sacrificing to other gods. This is where they have been in Egypt for so many years that they've been starting to worship other gods other than their own god. So this is why God has written here or spoken here, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Now, this scripture contains a rebuke for those in their arrogance try to shape God into a form or images in such a way, oh, they thought, I have got figured out. So here, that's why God is reprimanding them. I have already revealed myself to you, the only God you are to serve and no others. So God would have no likeness made of him. Don't even try to make me into form, let alone the other gods, and try and represent uh, that that is God. Because, you know why? Because you would cloud your, cloud God's spiritual essence. So in John 4, 24, remember how Jesus reminds us, God is spirit, and the people who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So God is saying, I have entrusted you with my name. Why do you still insist on denying me your devotion? Why insist on having your own way in our relationships? See, understand this. Understand the stronghold of idolatry. In Exodus 32.1, yeah, not long after that, while Moses were listening to God in Mount Horeb. Guess what? When the people saw that, oh, Moses took too long in coming down from the mountain. 
So they went to Aaron, because Moses gave Aaron the charge to look after these people and consulted him. The people consulted him and saying, well, in view of the uncertainty, whether Moses is still alive, right? So their idolatrous instinct kicked in, and they said, ah, we need, we need someone, okay, to lead us to go on to the promised land. So they cry out to Aaron, make us a god. Make us something visible, tangible, on which we can believe the divine presence may go before us and lead us to the rest of the way to the promised land. So when Moses saw that, what they had done, he must be very upset and disappointed by these rebellious behaviors of the Israelites. But the all-knowing God is not surprised at all. He knew too well that human gratitude tends to be short-lived. And the people have a leaning towards idolatry, even back in Egypt. And that is why God placed this warning, finger in the stone, in the 10 words, that it is essential that they do not make any idols to rifle the Lord God. And those who worship idols will be eventually trapped by the powers of their own making and leading them away from God. This is why in New Testament, in Apostle Paul's teaching, he points out the roots of idol worship. It is first in our thoughts, and then wanting to indulge in the desires of our mind that humans should think uh, and we are capable of contriving the infinite God into the form of image or uh, object huh, that um, as if we already know God as our God. So this is insulting to God, and we are insulting God with great disrespect. That is why in uh, the following verses, he said, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, God in his very nature stated that he is a jealous God. He resents his people transferring their devotion to someone else other than him. And it is not because his authority is impaired. It is because his love for his people is damaged by these people who choose to betray him. We can experience that in our human relationship, isn't it? Someone we dearly love, have, if they have betrayed us, turned away from us, how much it hurts. So you can understand that it hurts God to know that we are rejecting him, we're turning away from him, turn to someone else. 
and he cannot bear to lose the affection, the trust, or reverence his people should give only to him. That is why he warned us here. The serious consequence of sins, not only upon the person that sinned, but also with, to the children, even to the third or fourth generation. Let me ask you, is God being too harsh here? But God immediately reminds his people that in his nature, God is loving and generous, mentioning the blessings to his people that if they obey and follow him, they will be blessed to thousands of generations. So notice the length of God's blessings to a thousand generations compared to the consequence of sin that whoever sinned against God had to suffer, but to the third and fourth generations. That is the gracious love of God that he is always ready to forgive those that have turned back to him and confessed their wrongs. So don't, just because you have read, read about the nature of God, don't make it feel uncomfortable. Because as the psalmist described God to us, he said he rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. Now this is the manner he preserved those that belong to him, rewarding their faithfulness with love, but punish those who disobey him. And all in all, God wants to bring back those that have disobeyed him back to his fold. That is the intention. Uh, not to say, well, I disqualify you once you have sinned. So another psalm, psalm in Psalm 13, if you have a chance to read it when you go home, is to describe how God responds when we turn back to God in repentance and call out to him for deliverance, saying, oh, how long must I agonize, grieving your absence in my heart every day? Turn back, respond to me, my true God. My enemy will boast they have beaten me and that I have stumbled. But I can place my trust in the, your faithful love at the thought of his imminent deliverance. This is how much our gracious God loves his people. He promises to show his love and commitment to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Amen. Now, I understand idolatry at this, the present age is something perhaps beyond us to grasp. Because we may think, well, if you read the second commandment, that doesn't seem to apply to us, right? You can come and visit my house. I don't have any idols around. But Paul turned, points out the form of idolatry keep evolving. He warned us in Galatians 5 that was read to you. He named it as what? It's the acts of the flesh, it's including sexual immorality, impurity, 
and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So in reality, we live in a world that we are constantly bombarded by this enticement, isn't it? In our everyday lives, you turn on your computer, go online, watch TV, and from the radio, they're all one way or the other, tempting us to indulge in our own desires. We could make the excuse for ourselves, say, we go to church every Sunday, right? That's okay. So if I'm indulging a little desire of my own, may it whatever be, whether it was listed here or not, it's okay, isn't it? But Paul in Galatians again reminds us in chapter 5, verse 9, a little yeast works through the whole dough. I'm sure a lot of people here are good bakers, right? But that doesn't include me. I've never used yeast in my life. But just hearing that a little yeast can work through the whole dough, I, I did see it on YouTube. So this morning, the truth God is teaching us, we are not to allow even the smallest amount of yeast to, listen to that word, to enslave us in our walk with God. Now, I share with you a testimony of my own, how deadly a little yeast that would ensnare ens one to sin. Okay. I grew up in a, a Chinese culture, and, you know, having an annual typical Chinese calendar is very normal, right? It's a normal practice. And especially if you always shop in the uh, Chinese grocery stores. So around Chinese New Year, if you buy something over $35, automatically they give you a beautiful calendar with the big, huge word God, uh, blessing, a folk, uh, reversed. And the notion is the folk, the blessing has to be poured out. So if you stand up still, the blessing will come into your household, right? So I think nothing of it, right? <laughs> but four or five years ago, guess what? My youngest daughter-in-law, she happens to be Korean, and they probably heard about it. So they came to me and said, Mom, can I borrow your Chinese calendar, right? Because we want to choose the best date for our wedding. And guess what? I didn't think nothing of it. Sure, go ahead. Enjoy it, right? Do you think God would be hurt by people he loves turning <laughs> to a calendar, you know, to find the best day for marriage? And the tricky thing about this Chinese calendar, not only is it about wedding, they have a list each day don't go outdoor today, okay? Don't open your business today. <laughs> Don't go and travel. <laughs> this is not a good day. It's like some of us that we still read our zodiac sign, right? 
today is not the day I should argue with my boss, or today I should quit my job, right? Or today I should go afar. You know, lead to East, right? That embarrassingly, I, I was, you know, a graduate from seminary, I'm a minister, but without knowing, I allow this little East exist in me and think nothing on it. God would be so hurt. Mary, you didn't even, right, minister to your uh, daughter-in-law who happens to be a young Christian and let her know to seek God instead of a Chinese calendar. So I ask God for forgiveness for my ignorance and not dealing with the ease that exists in my life. And I hope this would help you to examine your lives. What is areas in your life that you are hanging on to? Maybe you need that joint to start the day or, or that drink to finish the day. This is so common and we didn't think nothing of it. But you know, after a while, it kind of, you know, drag you away from God, making you diminish your relationship with God, thinking, oh, God, I need this. I mean, I need you, but I want that drink. I want that smoke. It will make me feel better. It will make, you know, my days go better. Because look at that. We are living in a time of uncertainty, of uh, pandemics. There seems no ending. You know, I don't know how many vaccination you have taken. At my age, <laughs> I have fourth already, right? <laughs> I can't be more scared. <laughs> That's it. God, if you want to take me today, <laughs> take me with you, right? I make sure to take my 98-year-old mother with me, okay? Because <laughs> he lives with me and I look after her. So, I think if anything you hear this morning from how God is speaking to you is think, think of it that things that you think is nothing it, does, it wouldn't bother God it wasn't sinful these are little superstitious practices don't allow it don't allow it to even exist in your life because you know God is saying um, he loves us he loves the people in the world, every one of us. So he said, very truly, uh, this is from John chapter 8, verses 34 to 35. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. We know we are called as sons and daughters to the family of God. So if God set you free, if Jesus set you free, you will be free. So don't stay and or return to being a slave to sin. So I pray for all of you this morning that we hear and accept the good news from God himself, that God so loved the world, especially for those that are among us, you may be hearing the good news for a long time, but never make a commitment to say, God, be my Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins because I believe in you. If you haven't, I pray that 
in your mo- this moment that God, the Spirit, will open your heart because He is the one that gives us the faith to believe. We may think we come to God, but God is drawing us to Him. That's the amazing thing of the God we have yet to know. So God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. There's so much thing that hurt him to say, this beautiful creation, this beautiful world I have created, what are you guys doing with it? Right? There are wars, there's violence, there's hatred. But God said, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stand condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. So we are his beloved, no longer a slave to sin. He is proud to call us my people, and he is our God. We are sons and daughters with a permanent place in the kingdom of God having been set free by Jesus Christ the Son. I want to uh, skip to the uh, page, (laughs) um, because I don't know, I've probably taken a bit long, but especially the one, I want to share the story, a testimony uh, between the Chinese Presbyterian Church and this Knox Presbyterian Church. Now, how I came upon it, uh, I promise, Pastor Nick, I would give him a copy, and I did find one. Now, if you have a chance to read it, you'll be surprised. It didn't seem to mention much, right? But the fact that it mentioned when Chinese Presbyterian Church first came together as a fellowship, they were, guess what? This is in the 1900s. They were only 10 men. Because I don't know if you know at that time, they were very harsh with Chinese immigrants. They won't want to, <laughs> to welcome any more Chinese to Canada. So they said, okay, if you want to come, I'm going to charge you a head tax. And also, they view them as aliens. You know, they don't speak our language. Uh, I don't know what kind of gods they worship. They, they are just good for working. And, I see them as without moral standard. And so what happened is, these 10 people, because the church, and of course not just Knox Church, but the church, the Christian in the church, reached out to them and embracing them and helping them to adjust to life in, in Canada and also um, teaching them English. And so um, if you can show the pictures, of the head text, I think it's on. Yeah, that's right. So in those days, when the men came to work, they can't even bring their family and children. They're only allowed to come on their own. So could you imagine not knowing the language, being isolated from the mainstream? And if it wasn't for the Christians in churches that reach out to them and extending um, their fellowship and also bring them to Christ. That's how this Chinese fellowship started with only 10 men and they need a place to worship. 
Guess who extend the hands of friendship? It's the Knox Presbyterian Church. I don't even know where Dutchess Street is, but they found, is it still there? I, I should be a tourist in, in Toronto. But they found them a small church so they can worship together, starting with only 10 members. And I think the, um, the amazing testimony is that while everyone else see them as aliens, the people at Knox Presbyterian Church see them as whom? My people who are called by my God. They, they obey and they listen, not just calling to themselves, but they realize God is calling people of different ethnicity, language, no matter you come from East and West. God called us all to be His people that he are to be his God. So this small congregations of 10 people, of course, later on, when their wives and children came, and guess what? Because in those days, Chinese are very conservative, conservative. So the men and women, I don't know how they make arrange it, but they're not supposed to gather in the same room. And guess what? The Knox Church opened the doors and there is a um, missionary returning from China. Some of you may knew her or heard of her name, Mrs. Macmillan. So she looks after these women and they have the Bible study somewhere in this church. You know, that's why when Pastor Nick asked me to preach at this church, I see, wow, that's a, great opportunity for me to share what God has done in our Chinese church, in the Chinese community, through the faithful brothers and sisters in this church, who see people of all origins as God's people. And remember in those days, there was a, yeah, there was a lot of prejudice going on, not just against the Chinese, but I'd let, leave, leave you to read this history on your own. So praise God for the love and obedience to Jesus by the Knox Presbyterian Church. And I am sure God will use you greatly that you will continue to serve those that newly arrived in Canada or those that are being ostracized in the, in, in the outside world, either because of how they look or how they speak, or what not. But God will use you great, greatly when you remain faithful to Him and to His Word. Uh, oh, just an added note. This church that grew in the Beverly Street, which is our church today, 10, 15 years later, they see, oh, there are others in Mississauga that need to hear about Jesus. So they have planted a church in Mississauga, Mississauga Presbyterian Church. Of course, they have to call it Chinese, okay? Mississauga Chinese Presbyterian Church. And then they plant one in Markham. Of course, it's called Markham Chinese Presbyterian Church. <laughs> Wouldn't it be lovely if we drop the word Chinese and just say church for everyone, right? So 
this is a lesson we have to learn. But also there is the Celebration North Church. I think at one time they were in Unionville. So, you know, yes, if the East is allowed to make it do its work, if it is sin, oh, that is deadly. But if it is the seed, just like the master seed of God, allowing to do its work, it's amazing, you know. And I'm sure uh, those back in the days in the Knox Church, they weren't thinking, oh, how many souls we are going to save. They, they didn't even know, but God knows. And God bless Knox Church. And God bless all the churches that are obedient and listen, listen to his word when we hear it. Let us pray. God, thank you. You have shown yourself in history, in scripture, and in Jesus Christ. And thank you for entrusting your name to us as your people to represent you. Lord, we must not put your reputation at stake by the way we misrepresent you to others. Oh God, in hearing your spoken word of love and warning, bless your people with the conviction of truth. Strengthen our faith such that we live to give glory to your name. Amen.